speakers and presenters, how many times have you been told that words account for only 7% of what impacts the audience, and that 38% come from voice, tone, and modulation, and that a whopping 55% of what impacts the audience is your body language? Wow. Guess what? That's pure moonshine. Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. If listening, please follow me on your podcasting hosting site. And if watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, follow, comment, and share. The 738-55 myth, also known as the Merubian model, has been around for decades. Its creator, Albert Merubian, was a professor of psychology at UCLA. These percentages that continue to be bantied about today dealt specifically with two experiments the good professor performed regarding communication congruency on specific attributes. Considering just the attributes of feelings and attitude, the experiment concluded when a speaker's words and body language were in conflict, an audience would overwhelmingly look to body language as the best indicator of truth. Well, duh, two-year-olds have this figured out. But to this very day, speech trainers are still teaching this myth. Now, don't misunderstand me. While the 738.55 percentages are way off for most speakers and speeches, body language is still a significant part of any communication. If we were to use the same three rubrics, words, voice, and body language to evaluate a speech, the percentage of their impact on the audience would vary widely depending on the topic, knowledge of the audience, and the particular strengths of the speaker. Now, the best speakers have mastered the nonverbal components of body language to optimize their message. Today, I'm going to cover the four central categories of body language and add a fifth, which should be uh, present with all the other four. Number one, eye contact. Afterwards, eyes are the most expressive tool a speaker has. Shakespeare was right when he said, the eyes are the windows to the soul. It is impossible for a speaker to maintain eye contact with an audience 100% of the time. But that should be the goal. Toastmasters is very effective at training their members to think while maintaining eye contact with the audience. While most of us tend to look up, left, or right if we are thinking or recalling. The eye contact should be 3 to 5 seconds, which is a natural time frame in our culture. Think about having a passionate conversation with a few neighbors about a movie you just seen that you loved. You don't time how many seconds you look at each one of the individuals. Your eyes move naturally from person to person with the flow and rhythms of the conversation. And considering the logistics of the venue and the size of the audience, speakers should strive to look at as many people as possible and discount any advice that you've ever received about looking right over their heads, or look only at the friendly faces, or picture them all wearing clown noses and the like. Forget all that. Look them them right in the eye. Number two facial expressions. We all have them, 
And the key point with facial expressions is that they need to be congruent with the verbal message. Former President Bush had the incongruent habit of smiling when talking about the most gruesome of things. Wearing a smirkish kind of smile on his face, he'd announce four American journalists were beheaded today. In a large part, this added to his poor reputation as a speaker. Additionally, there, are, there is a tendency for some speakers to suppress their natural facial expressions in favor of donning a more serious professional face. You want to do just the opposite. Accentuate your natural expressions. If you tend to raise your eyebrows when you are excited about a topic, or if you tend to tilt your head like a puppy when asking rhetorical questions, keep these expressions in your repertoire. In fact, augment them. They help solidify your authenticity with the audience. Number three, posture. I'm sure everyone has heard the causality dilemma regarding the chicken and the egg on which came first. Now, I don't know if posture and mood would qualify as a causality dilemma, but psychologists are clear about this. Posture influences mood and our mood impacts our postures. Speakers should practice good posture for their own sake. It enhances their optimism, their authority, and confidence. And the audience interprets this good posture as personal strength, credibility, leadership, and self-confidence. All right, what is a good posture for a speaker? Standing straight up, shoulders back, feet about shoulder width apart, and an open stance facing the audience with hands at their side. Sometimes this is referred to as the power pose. This posture is also serves as the ultimate default position for our next topic, number four, gestures. When free of excessive nervousness and anxiety, we all gesture naturally when we speak, usually without giving any conscious thought to the process at all. Some people gesture primarily with their hands and arms, others by nodding up and down or side to side with their heads. Just like the other nonverbal cues, for gestures to be effective, they need to be congruent with the words being spoken. Don't say yes while you're shaking your head no. When it comes to arm and hand gestures, there is a tendency among many speakers to go small rather than make a full stretch of their arms. They just go halfway. And they'll only get half the impact by doing this. If you're going to stretch your arms out, stretch them all the way out. And many new to public speaking struggle with what to do with their arms and hands. Men will often nervously put them in their pockets. We find both men and women will clasp their hands behind their back or fold them in front of them. The best place for a speaker's hands when not gesturing is by their side. To people unaccustomed to this default position, when they first attempt it, they feel awkward and even self-conscious. The best way to develop this default position is to practice it away from speaking. If you are in line at a coffee shop, grocery store, the DMV, you pick the place, get in the habit of letting your arms fall naturally against your side. Over a short period of time, this will feel completely natural, and this default position is the optimum place for launching powerful arm and hand gestures.
And the last one, smile. Dale Carnegie said, your smile is a messenger of goodwill. It is the only nonverbal communication tool that transcends generations, races, culture, ethnicities, and even language. And like the posture, smiling has a positive impact on your own physiology. And don't smile just with your mouth. Let your eyes smile too. There you have it. The five chief ways speakers communicate with their bodies. As for today and my part, that's all there is. If you're listening, please follow me on your podcasting hosting site. And if watching me on YouTube, please subscribe, like, comment, and share. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails. We're on the move, man.